So I come forward. Uh, children are dismissed to junior church at this time. And we're going to be going to Philippians chapter 4 once again today. And then next week we'll finish up our short series on Philippians 4, 4 through 8. You know, we sang songs about peace today, didn't we? Peace like a river, he is our peace. We also sang another song not directly about peace, but it would certainly be peaceful soon and very soon. We will see the, the Lord. And then just now, in Christ alone. And our hope and our peace is in Christ alone. So I invite you to turn to Philippians 4 as we continue this short series on really, we're, today we're really going to put it together. How, how do we have the peace of God? And to do that, we're going to look at Philippians 4, 7, but really we're going to put it together. And then next week, actually, we are going to uh, finish this series with Philippians 4, 8. Philippians 4, 8 will tell us what to think on. What, what, what should we set our minds on? What do we think on? And then in two weeks, we're going to start a sermon series, which I've been waiting on for a long time. I've been excited about, about worldview, a biblical worldview. From a biblical worldview, there was creation, there was the fall, there was redemption, and there will eventually be restoration. Everything was created good. The world fell in Genesis 3, and we still live in a fallen world. That's why we have sickness. That's why we have pain. That's why we have suffering. Jesus has redeemed us. But we're not restored yet, and someday we will be. And we're going to talk more about that starting in two weeks. But today, how do we have the peace of God? How do we have the peace of God? And I want to ask you, how many of you, how many of us desire peace? How many of us desire peace? Wouldn't we all want peace? Have you ever had those moments where, I've had them before, you're all happy inside and you're all thinking good, and then this thought comes to your mind of something you have to deal with later on or something going on, and it just robs your peace. And I believe someday, you know, we're in a perfect peace in heaven, none of that, but I believe even today we're called to sanctify our thinking. Sanctify means to set apart our thinking. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, the apostle Paul says, he takes every thought unto captivity, unto obedience to God. And that's really difficult to do. But the more we can sanctify our thinking, the more we will have God's peace. And we're seeing that in this passage, Philippians 4, 4 through 8. I wonder, I wonder if you have peace. Peace is that calm of mind that is not ruffled by adversity. It's not overclouded by a remorseful conscience. It's not disturbed by fear. You hear that? It's that calm of mind. When we have peace, we have a calm of mind that is not ruffled by adversity. It's not overclouded by a remorseful conscience or disturbed by fear. Horatio Spafford, Horatio Spafford was a businessman in Chicago. He sent his wife and three daughters to Europe by ship. While he remained back in the States, intending to join them later. En route, there was a terrible storm and a shipwreck during which their three daughters drowned. Mrs. Spafford made it to safety and she wired back. It was Morse code, pre-telephone. She wired back saying, all of our daughters have been lost. Only I have been saved. He took the next vessel. As they came near the place where his daughters drowned, the skipper of the ship pointed to the place where the other ship had gone down. It was there on the deck of that ship he wrote those stirring words. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well 
It is well with my soul. How could he do that? How did the Holy Spirit give him that peace? And I believe it had to have come from the Spirit of God. His daughters were safe. They were with the Lord. I was just now reminded, uh, we had a doctor in a, and when we lived in Alliance around the time both our kids were born. And uh, we saw a note at the doctor's office, uh, prayers and wishes for the, one of the other doctors, who was one of our pediatricians, whose daughter was born and, and then died. And then Megan felt um, the opportunity at a much, much later visit of how it was. And she said, well, you know, we prayed that our daughter would know Jesus. She just got to know him a little sooner. And that's a different way of looking at it, isn't it? When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. I view anxiety and worry the opposite of peace. Anxiety and worry the opposite of peace. By the way, we have fill in the blanks in the bulletin, and I'm going to give you this one. That's your first blank. These past few weeks, we've been talking about how to have the peace of God. And today, we're going to put them all together, at least a little bit. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 will kind of be the last step, but we're going to put things together today. Three weeks ago, we talked about rejoicing in the Lord, Philippians 4, 4. One of the first steps in how to have the peace of God is to rejoice in the Lord. And then the Apostle Paul, writing from some type of a prison under persecution, being chained to a to a, to a guard, writing to a persecuted church, and he said, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Rejoicing is one way to have the peace of God. Focus on rejoicing. It's retuning our thinking, so to speak. Two weeks ago, we talked about letting your gentle spirit be known to all men. Philippians 4, 5. Paul said, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. Remember, he's writing to a church under persecution. They could think, how can you tell me to be gentle? But Jesus told us to be gentle. Jesus was told that he was gentle. Jesus told us to come to him with our burdens. Paul said, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. And then he said in verse 5, he said, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. And last week, if you recall, he, we talked about be anxious for nothing. Instead, pray. Philippians 4, 6. Instead of having your worries and your fears and your anxieties, pray. And not just, don't, don't just pray. Pray with thanksgiving. That's what we talked about last week. And I believe that is really kind of the, the crux of the matter where the rubber meets the road. You pray to God. Instead of being worried, you pray to God. And you also give God thanks. And today... How to have the peace of God. Philippians chapter 4 verse 7. How to have the peace of God. This is really putting it all together. Next week we'll talk about think on these things. Philippians 4 8. In Philippians chapter 4 verse 8. He tells us what to think on. This is actually a memory verse for Mercedes class. And maybe her whole grade. At third grade at, at Heartland. You know Paul tells us what to think on. And, and we'll talk about that next week. But it's as if Paul is saying. If this hasn't worked. If rejoicing hasn't hasn't worked, if being gentle hasn't worked, if, if, if giving the Lord everything through prayer with thanksgiving hasn't worked, think on these things. Our mind will th think on certain things. You will think on certain things. I, you know, I live in my head. I know this. As I was reading a book by Charles Haddon Spurgeon from the 1800s, and he said he counted up eight things that went through his mind at the same time he was preaching. I don't know how he did that, but it is true. Your mind will think on certain things, even when you don't want to. So the Apostle Paul is telling them, think on these things. 
whatever is good, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute. He says, if anything is excellent, if anything is worthy of praise, dwell on these things. We'll talk about that next week. Today, let's focus on the peace of God. I want to read verses 6 through 7. So read with me these verses. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. In the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I love it. Be anxious for nothing. He do, notice, notice this. Paul does not give us a list of things that we can be anxious about, does he? He, he doesn't say it's acceptable to worry about your finances. He doesn't say that, even though many times we would think it's a good thing to worry about. He doesn't say it's acceptable to worry about your children's health, even though we want to be concerned about our children's health. He doesn't say it's acceptable to be worried about the political unrest going on and who's going to be the next emperor, even though for us, that's a pretty big deal. Realize, and we've already talked about this, in, 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 the, in the world of, 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 of the first century, during this day, they had a pretty messed up world going on. I mean, the Roman emperor is killing Christians to make examples of them. Caesar Nero purposefully set fire to Rome in order to get rid of the slum. And then he blamed the Christians when the wind shifted, killing a bunch of of. of good citizens according to his mind you know then he blamed the christians it was a pretty messed up world but paul doesn't say that they could worry about that he says be anxious for nothing nothing but instead in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to god instead of instead of being anxious instead of worrying we pray we pray with thanksgiving. Anxiety is a rough thing. I believe it. I've dealt with it off and on here and there. And I have to tell you, I guess I will, that you know we're dealing with it at home because Abigail, our younger one, she's in first grade. And after being off school since mid-March, she's having a really, really hard time going to school every day. These long days, you know, long days for her, being away from from especially Megan, you know, because I just tell her toughen up. And, you know, she's having a hard time adjusting. So, you know, we've been trying to coach her. And, we've, and, and every day at the end of the day, we tell her, what did we tell you to do? And she said, I forget. What did we tell you to do? We told her, redirect your thinking. <laughs> redirect your thinking. Try to think on things that are good and pure and, and, and holy and lovely. And argue with yourself. She can tell herself, and, and this is for all of us, by the way, anything we're worried about, anything we're fearful about, we can talk back to ourselves, and we can say, I've conquered this before, I'll conquer it again. I can, you can really talk back to yourself and redirect your thinking. The other thing which is really interesting, and Lisa could talk way more about this than me, that when we get anxious or fearful, there's a part in our brain that, that gives a response. I think it's called the hypothalamus, and it's like the size of a walnut. And it gives a response. And that's why you have all the sweat, you know, you start sweating for some people, you get nauseous, you have anxiety reactions, you have all these things that go on, and that's because of the brain. When you get anxious or fearful, God created this way. Your body gives you an adrenaline rush. Cortisol is released. These chemicals are released. But we are anxious and fearful generally about things that do not require a physical response, if that makes sense. There was a book a few years ago called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers. Interesting title, right? Because for zebras, 
when they get anxious and fearful, it's because a lion is chasing them. And so their brains, created by God this way, give them this adrenaline rush and this boost of energy to run from the lion. Well, we get that same response when we're concerned about a test we have to take. Or for Abigail, she's concerned about going to school. And she's saying, I don't want to go to school. 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 And we're telling her, look, your brain is giving you this response. And that's why you say your belly hurts. That's why you don't want to eat your breakfast. That's why you don't want to eat your lunch. So what you need to do is go for a walk if you can. Take deep breaths. Do things like that. But what you also need to do is redirect your thinking. Redirect your thinking. Argue with yourself. And that's what the Apostle Paul is telling us to do right here. Be anxious for nothing. Instead, redirect your thinking to prayer. Redirect your thinking to prayer. In everything. So anxious for nothing. There's nothing that you should be anxious about. But instead, in everything, every single thing, everything is included in that. By prayer and supplication. That's a petition of list of things that you give to God. A list of things that you humbly give to God. You give them to God with thanksgiving. You're redirecting your thinking. And you're giving them to the Lord. It's not just redirecting your thinking. It's doing that too. But it's doing something far, far better because you're praying. You're telling God about your problems. You're giving them to God who can really help you. And then verse 7. In the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension. That means it surpasses all understanding. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So notice that the peace of God is a result of the previous verses. You want the peace of God, you have to go through Philippians 4, 4, and 5, and 6. You want the peace of God, rejoice in the Lord always. Let your gentle spirit be known to all. Instead of being anxious, pray and pray with petition and pray with thanksgiving. Oftentimes, we want the peace of God, but we may not be giving him things in prayer. We may not be rejoicing. We may not be gentle. Instead, we're being critical and angry and loud, and we're expecting the peace of God. The peace of God is a result of these things. Now, you may think about this, and you may think, I can understand how rejoicing in the Lord gives me peace. But how does, what does gentleness have to do with it? I mean, in verse 5, Paul said, let your gentle spirit be known to all. And then he said, the Lord is near. What does that have to do with it? Think about it this way. Do you ever regret things you say in an argument? I have. Have you ever got over an argument and you think, I messed up? I got, maybe you argued about something that you were passionate about, but you let your emotions get the best of you and you got angry and maybe you raised your voice and maybe you, you said things that you regret. Gentleness doesn't give us regrets. If you're gentle and you have gentle responses to your children and grandchildren and to your spouses and to those you work with, if you have a gentle response, you have no regrets at the end of the day. Gentleness does not steal our peace. At the end of the day, if you can think that you have not wronged anyone, you have not lost your temper, you have not cursed anyone, you have not lied to anyone, you have not cheated anyone, you will have more peace. Gentleness does not steal your peace. Gentleness adds to your peace. The peace of God is the result of your petitionary prayer with thanksgivingness, with thanksgiving. Now, peace of God is also connected to Philippians 4.8. And I reference Philippians 4.8. I'm going to read it again. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Again, that's the last step that we're going to see in verse 8. That's what you got to think on. Whatever is true, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is good repute. If there's anything excellent, anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. How are you doing with that? You know how the news 
you've probably heard the phrase, if it bleeds, it leads. If it bleeds, it leads. News is going to report on what, what, what bleeds. And it's the same thing in our thinking a lot of times, right? Why is it so easy to meditate, to think on the bad and not the good? Maybe it's our sin nature. Maybe it's other things. I, I, I think it's a stretch for all of us to live out Philippians 4.8. We need to pray it. And we're going to talk about that more next week. But are you praying, seriously praying, Lord, help me to rejoice in you in all things? Are you praying, seriously praying, Lord, help me to be gentle? Help my gentleness be, to be known to all. Help my gentleness to be known to everyone I come in contact with, that they see me having a gentle disposition, a gentle attitude. They don't need to walk on eggshells around me. How are you doing with, instead of being anxious, pray about everything? How are you doing with thankfulness? When we are anxious, we lose our peace. When we worry, we lose our peace. But when we give those things to God, we receive peace. When we reframe things and change our perspective to focus on God, we will have more peace. For a lot of us, our thinking might need retuned. It's like a piano out of tune. Remember I said that last week? We might need to retune our thinking. And for some of us, you might need... Um, to see your doctor. Some of us might have a chemical issue causing depression, causing anxiety, and it's an actual organic issue. So you really need to see the doctor about that. It's not unlike um, a, a diabetic needing medication for their diabetes. For some people, they need to be encouraged. See your doctor, get medical support. That's a good thing. But as you get your medical support, also focus on these things, Philippians 4, 4 through 8. Focus on those things. When we reframe things and change our perspective to focus on God, we will have more peace. When we worship God, we have peace. Do you realize that it's really interesting because we have MRI scans and things like that now? They've done MRIs of people in prayer, and it actually changes the brain waves and the way you think. There's an actual thing going on. Science continues to confirm. It, it, when, you, when you look at science, it continues to confirm what the Bible teaches. Now, when you have a secular worldview and you're trying to confirm secular things, that might be different. But science continues to confirm what the Bible teaches, which shouldn't really surprise us. Look at this verse. It is about the peace of God. It says, God's peace surpasses understanding. You see that? And a peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God's peace is beyond our understanding. How could Horatio Spafford write, it is well with my soul, after his three daughters drowned at sea? How could he do that? He had the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, surpasses all comprehension. It came through the Holy Spirit inside him. And it came by his activity in the spiritual life. Okay? Sometimes you might wonder, why am I not having that Holy Spirit-filled peace of God? It could be because you're not connecting to the Lord in prayer and in spiritual disciplines, in scripture reading, in, in church commitment, and things like that. But the peace of God surpasses all, all understanding. How can Johnny Erickson Tata live serving the Lord as a quadriplegic? Now, it's like 51, maybe 52 years she's lived serving the Lord as a quadriplegic. How could she do it? It's because the peace of God inside her. It's because of the Holy Spirit inside of her. She's even said this. This is amazing. She's even said, I thank God for my wheelchair. I thank God for my wheelchair. Because if it wasn't for the wheelchair, I wouldn't be serving him like this. Amazing. How does that happen? The Holy Spirit inside of her. And my point is what verse, eight, verse 7 says. The peace of God 
surpasses understanding. How could Annie Johnson Flint write, He giveth more grace, when she was an invalid with many health issues? Many health issues. She had the peace of God. In fact, as I've said before, if you look at most of our great hymns throughout history, many of them were written by people going through great, great, great trials. God's peace surpasses understanding. This is not peace as the world needs. This is not peace from war. This is an inner peace which we receive spiritually by communing with God, by communing with God. It says this peace will guard our hearts and minds. Do you notice that? It says this peace will guard our hearts and minds. I think by saying that, Paul is saying that, that, that this peace will guard the whole person. This peace will guard the whole person. And the term he used for guard is a military term. It's like a guard on a city wall watching for any intruders. It's like a sentry standing duty. This peace, God's peace guards us. God's peace is guarding our hearts and minds. The peace of God will guard us, and the peace of God is guarding us in Christ Jesus. Let's make some closing applications. We need to quit trying to worry about things we cannot change. Those things are stealing our peace. Sometimes we are meditating on things, we are contemplating things, we are fixing our mind on things that we just shouldn't think about any longer. Those are robbing our peace. We need to quit getting angry about things we cannot change. Getting, get, getting angry does not help. It used, to be, it used to be you would tell kids, go and beat up your pillow and hit a punching bag to get rid of your anger. Well, I have a counseling book that says That's, uh, that doesn't work. It doesn't work. Now, journaling can work, and I would encourage everyone here to journal when you're having anxious times. Write out prayers to God. Write out your thoughts. That, that'll help. Give things over to the Lord. We need to quit living in fear. Turn those fears over to God. Those fears are stealing our peace. What is the worst that can happen? Some counselors will sometimes tell you, you know, play it out. Whatever you're anxious about, whatever you're worried about, just think about what's the worst that could happen. You know, you may die of COVID-19. Maybe that's your fear right now. Well, death is complete healing in perfect paradise in heaven. Do you realize that? Uh, Philippians 1.23, the apostle Paul even talks about that. For the Christian, dying is actually gain. God's got it under control. We need to pray about everything, trusting in the Lord. Pray about everything. We need to pray with the body of Christ. Many of us are lacking that part of prayer. We're doing everything in an isolated way when we really need to be praying with the body of Christ. We will not have the peace of God. We will not have the peace that God wants us to have if we are not connected to the body of Christ. You hear that? We will not have the peace that God wants us to have if you're isolated. We're not called to be islands as Christians. And you know what robs our peace more than anything? Worry. And worry, where does worry come from? I want to make the case a lot of it comes from pride. Why oftentimes do Christians, especially in America, this is mainly a Western world thing, try to live the Christian life so isolated? Why are we afraid to talk to Christians and bro Christian brothers and sisters about things, prayer partnerships and accountability partners? I would argue oftentimes it's pride. And when we're too proud to let the church be the church to help you out, to help us out, it just gets worse. It doesn't get better. It doesn't get better. God wants to help us 
And he wants to help us through the church, through the body of Christ, through close Christian friends. That's one of the strengths of Celebrate Recovery. It provides a safe, confidential place where you can talk about things. But I can guarantee that we have that here, even if we don't have Celebrate Recovery. If you need somebody to talk to, and I'm, I'm glad to sit with you and talk to you and support you. Or I'm also glad to connect you with another woman or man that I know would be trustworthy, who you could talk to to support you. You might know this uh, old poem, Invictus. Out of the night that covers me, black as a pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced nor cried aloud. Under the bludgeonings of chance, my head is bloody but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade. And yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged with punishments to scroll. I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. What do you think? Are you the master of your fate? Are you the captain of your soul? That's a proud, proud, proud poem, isn't it? It used to be read at graduations. I don't know if it still is, but it's very prideful. We are not the master of our own ship. God is in charge. God is sovereign, and he's in charge, and he wants to help us, and he tells us how to get help. Rejoice in the Lord always. Let your gentle spirit be made known to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious for anything, but in all situations, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your, your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Go to God with prayer. Rejoice in him. Pray for gentleness. Give God thanks. Surrender to him. And then expect his peace. And if you still need help, do that with the church. Go a step further in faith. Talk to me. I'd love to help you. And uh, I'd love to talk to you. And you can talk to me in confidentiality. I can also recommend other professional counselors to help you out. You know, go to Sunday school or, or some of the other opportunities. Call a Christian friend that you trust. Get support. Pray together. The best thing that you can do is not that you live out Philippians 4, 4 through 8. The best thing that you can do is that you live that out with the body of Christ. With the body of Christ. We all need these verses. We all need to live these verses. Let's pray right now. Heavenly Father, we know that we live in a fallen world. A world where sin has had its way. We know, Lord God, that there is a lot unfortunately, to worry about and be anxious about. But we know, Lord God, that you truly do have the whole world in your hands, that you truly are sovereign. We know, O oh Lord, that you truly are in control. It's not just something we say. It is true. And we know, Lord God, that you give us a cure for anxiety, a cure for worry. First and foremost, we commit our lives to you as Lord and Savior. We confess we are sinners in need of a Savior. We believe in you as the one and only Savior. We trust in you and commit to you. Then we rejoice in you always, Lord. Help us, Lord. I pray that you would help this church family rejoicing in you this week. We let our gentleness be made known to all. Lord God, we need your help. We cannot do this on our own. We know that you are near. Lord God, we need your help that we would not be anxious for anything. But in all situations, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, we present our request to you. Lord God, help us to turn things over to you in prayer. And Lord God, I know that I did just say you give us a cure for anxiety. And I know that for some, there's an actual organic issue, a medical issue. And the total cure may not be until they're with you in heaven someday. 
But Lord God, if there's anyone here that needs more than living out these verses, needs to get medical support for, a, for a, an actual mental illness type of issue or an anxiety issue, I pray, Lord God, that you would help them to get the proper support to help them out. And Lord God, knowing that you're helping as well, you help us all. You're there. You tell us to give, your burdens, uh, give our burdens over to you. You tell us to, in Colossians 3, 16 through 17, to do all things with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You tell us to set our minds on things above. Please help us, Lord. We need your help to have your peace. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I invite Stephen, the worship team, up for the closing song and closing prayer.